Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. The Lord is placed here and he's like, boom, go. Like you just received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Awesome. Gunfire went off. Run the race. Go. What, what, what am I? Just run. And listen, the Lord has this beautiful way of like making things known to you as you're running the race, okay? Maybe you jump into something, you're like, well, maybe I'm called to do this. And that just blows up in your face. Well, now you know you weren't called to that, okay? But just keep running. You just keep going, keep going, keep going. Do not stop. Do not stop. There is a finish line. As a believer, you run your own race. You're enabled to be a winner. God desires you to run in such a way as to get the prize. And to do this, you have to set as and to do this, you must set aside anything that might hinder you from living and teaching the word of God. Today Pastor James will continue reading through the book of 2 Timothy, where you'll see Paul tell Timothy that he's put every effort into the work of proclaiming to all the gospel of salvation. And he's to run the race, not for a temporary crown, but for an eternal one. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. God has not given us a spirit of fear. If there is a spirit of fear on you, it's not from God, okay? It is not from Him. If there's a spirit of fear, this timidness, a lack of boldness, um, cowardice would be another good term there. If that's present within your life, it's not because God's placed it there, right? That would be something from the enemy trying to keep you from using your gift. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but, but this, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm not sure what the ESV says there. Self-control, that's right. So it's spirit of, of power, but not just power in and of itself, because total power, absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? I think we understand that. There has to be this balance of love that comes alongside of that thing. Unfortunately, you can get leaders in positions of leadership that have power, total power, and more times than not, it gets abused. You have to be able to, you know, supplement that with love. Where's the love? Where's the love? And Abraham Lincoln, one of my favorite people from history, it was said often of him, he was kind of like, he had this like iron fist that was covered with a velvet glove. Okay, he knew how to be firm, but also knew how to be gentle. That's a leader. That's a good leader, right? And that's kind of what Paul's saying here. He's like, listen, we don't have a spirit of fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Quite contrary to that, he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of self-control or of a, a sound mind. So if you have somebody in a position of power who is just all power, no love, and totally out of control... Well, that's not representative of God, okay? And I'm speaking more within the church world. Your mind might be going in other places. That's fine, whatever. I'm talking about within the church world because this is a problem within churches. This is a big deal within churches. For whatever reason, especially this year and past couple years, this has been a big thing. Timothy, as a pastor, 
should have the spirit of power, but of love, this agape, other people-centered, focused kind of love, and of self-control. That these should be what are kind of earmarks, so to speak, of, of his life and his character. Right now, it seems as though he's functioning under the spirit of, uh, of fear. And Paul's like, Timothy, buddy, you don't have anything to be afraid of. You got a gift, stir it up, and remember that the spirit of God dwells inside of you. And he doesn't give you this cowardness or this fear or anything like that. That's not a part of who he is. It's power, it's love, and it's self-control. Actually, we know of love and sound mind or self-control. Those are fruits of the spirit. The same applies to you. The same applies to all of us. If the Holy Spirit resides in you, there's not a spirit of fear. You don't have to be afraid to be used by God. You don't have to be afraid to represent Him. You don't have to be afraid of anything because of who dwells inside of you. In fact, you probably need to start tapping into and embracing the fact that in you is a power of, is a spirit of power and a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-control. Embrace that. That's truth. That is truth. Do not be afraid. The most common command in the Bible, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. I mean, hundreds of times that command is listed. And here's Paul reminding Timothy, hey, this is what, this is what resides inside of you. Verse 8. Therefore, because of that, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. He's, he's encouraging Timothy. He's like, listen, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Do not be ashamed of Jesus. You represent him. Did he die for you? Yes. Did he raise from the grave? Yes. Did he save you? Yes. Okay, go represent him. Do not be ashamed of him. Tell people about him. You should be proud of Jesus. We should be proud of Jesus, right? Not like, oh man, I hope they don't, hope they don't know or don't ask me. Any. No, let them ask the questions. If they know you're, you know, a Christ follower, let them ask away. Doesn't mean you have to answer the questions. Doesn't even mean you have to know all the answers, right? I don't know. That's a beautiful answer. Hey, but what about this? I don't know. Well, what about this? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know much. Um, all I know is this, man. Um, I was blind. Now I can see. It was Jesus, right? Um, never be ashamed of him. Do not be ashamed of his followers either. Especially Paul is saying, he's like, listen, I'm in prison because of him. Don't be like uh, some other people who have abandoned me. Because at this point in time, Paul is all alone. My, maybe the only person maybe in his company would be possibly Luke. But everybody, for the most part, said, you know, Paul, it's, this is just getting too weird. We're out of here. And they left him. They abandoned him. In this time of need, they, they took off on him. So don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the Apostle Paul. Join in him with the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us to this holy calling. Not according to our works. That's good to know. Your salvation and your calling that God has placed on your life is not dependent upon your works. Okay? It's not. You can't be good enough. You can't be. Just be settled with that within your heart. You cannot be good enough. Should you be good and do good things? Yes, absolutely. But you going to heaven does not depend on your good works. It depends on his good work of dying on the cross and raising from the grave and your faith and trust in him. And that is it. How freeing is that? That's amazing. 
It's not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. He's like, listen, he had it all laid out. Yeah, he had it all laid out. I love that. And I was just reading Psalm 139 this morning of how, you know, the Lord knows us. And, and you know, David, David penned that beautiful psalm of just how intimately Jesus knows us. He's like, before you were even born, before your body took form and structure and shape, he already knew you. He already knew the day you were going to be born, and he also knows the day you're going to die. That should be totally comforting to us and absolutely freeing to us. It's like, oh, you, you knew me before I was born. I don't know how all that works, but I know my God is powerful. And if it says he knew me before the foundations of the world were set, you know what? I think I'm going to believe that. I think I'm going to trust in that. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to understand it to believe that it's true. There's going to be a lot of things that we figure out when we're in his presence, when we're with him, okay? So don't hurt yourself over trying to figure out something. You know, if that's your thing, you love to investigate that stuff, by all means, go nuts, right? Like, have fun, right? Go for it. But don't allow yourself to get so frustrated because you can't figure it all out. You are not meant to figure it all out. You're not. As amazing as these things are inside of our skulls, they're just not capable to fully comprehend this big, awesome God that we serve. And if they ever are, find a new God to worship. Because if your God is that small that you can understand everything about him, you need a bigger God. The God we serve who, preserved, who wrote this Bible and would send his son to die for us, there's none bigger than him. But he goes on, he continues on. He, I mean, he's just really just throwing down the gospel here. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he's given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The gospel is the good news to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. The Gentiles would be the non-Jewish individuals. So Paul is, he's just really throwing it down. If you read in um, the book of Ephesians, Paul is like, you know, some are called to be apostles and some are called to be prophets and some are called to be preachers and teachers and pastors, all this stuff. And Paul's like, listen, I feel three of those things, okay? <laughs> like that's, that's God's call in my life. This is what I'm doing. He has placed me on this planet at this exact point in time to deliver this message to these people. Boom, done, settled. Paul, I mean, that's why he was able to run his race. Because he wasn't wishy-washy. He wasn't trying to like, well, maybe it's this. He's the opposite of me. I, again, I'm like so easily distracted. And even when it comes to serving the Lord, I'm like, oh, but, but what about over here? What about over here? And the Lord's like, just focus, dude. Just focus on what I've called you to do. Just stay focused on that. And just do that. And I can promise you this. You are here right now in this point in time within history because God wants you here right now in this moment in history for a reason, for a job, for him to use you. That's why you exist. That is exactly why you exist. It's for his glory, for his kingdom. And I would say to just go back and if you're thinking like, but I don't know what that is. Well, spend more time with him. 
Maybe that gift, maybe that thing inside you needs to be stirred up. Maybe you need to be brought to remembrance of like, no, you're here for this reason. Maybe you've been called for a specific group of people. Paul was. He was called to the Gentiles. And the Lord would use Peter to minister to the Jews. Maybe he has called you to a specific group of individuals. Maybe he has. And if that's the case, you focus on that and you be found faithful doing that, serving there. Don't worry about all the other stuff because I can promise you this. If you're any bit as ADD as I am, there's going to be so many distractions, right? And so many like, oh, but this looks fun. Oh, what about this one? And what about that? No, God has called you to do this right now for these individuals. Be set on that. Hold fast to that. Hold fast to him and hold fast to that calling that he has placed on your life. And just run. Run that race. Stay in that lane. You, you guys ever run track? We used to, I didn't run track. I played basketball, and my coach was merciless. Um, it was down here, down south, and off-season. Hit the track. Oh, it's hot. It's humid. I don't care. Hit the track. You're going to run a mile, and it has to be done in this time. If you don't make it in that time, then you're going to run it again right away. And if you don't make it then, you're just going to keep running. And if you can't make it, you're off the team. That's how our coach worked. I loved it. It was awesome. I love that kind of coaching. That's what I needed. Um, that's what all of us guys needed at that point in time. We knew, listen, we have a, this race that has to be ran. It wasn't a competition. It was very personal and it was very individualistic. And you knew, like, man, I, with, you know, 20 some odd other guys on this track, man, I got to stay in, I got to stay focused and I got to stay in my lane because and there's always going to be people cutting in and out of it, all that stuff. I mean, we just know how that works. But, and sometimes they'll do that and trip you up. But you've got to stay focused. And I'm like, I, I see the finish line, four laps around this dude, and i got to stay in this lane. This is my lane. I'm going to run this race in this lane. Because I'm going to hit that finish line, and it's going to be at the right time because there's no way in the world I want to do this again, okay? And so that's how it was for us in, in playing basketball in the offseason. This is kind of how it is for us in this life. The Lord has placed you here and he's like, boom, go. Like you just received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Awesome. Gunfire went off. Run the race. Go. What, what, what am I? Just run. And listen, it, the Lord has this beautiful way of like making things known to you as you're running the race, okay? Maybe you jump into something. You're like, well, maybe I'm called to do this. And that just blows up in your face. Well, now you know you weren't called to that, okay? But just keep running. You just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Do not stop. Do not stop. There is a finish line. So you got to keep going, keep going, stay focused. And that's what the Apostle Paul did. He ran his race because he knew that he was called at this point in time to do this specific thing for this group of people. He knew that. He stayed focused on that. He stayed focused on Jesus, and he ran his race until it was over. He goes on, verse 12, For this reason I also suffer these things. Because, you know, there, there's not going to be a lack of suffering for the believer. Just be good with that, right? Like, it, giving your life to Jesus doesn't mean you get everything that you want in this life, and there's not going to be any suffering. Or No, you give your life over to Jesus. You need to understand that there will be elements of suffering that go along with it. The beauty behind that is he can use that suffering to refine you, okay, to build up your character, to make you look more and more like him, 
But you're never alone in that suffering. You are never alone in that suffering. So Paul's saying, like, listen, this calling on my life, and it's for this reason, I, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. He's like, listen, here's what I know. There's suffering that's part of my life. That's true. I am not ashamed of Jesus, and I will never be ashamed of Jesus because he holds my life in his hands. I have entrusted myself, basically, to him. I trust him. I trust the Lord Jesus. He's given me something. He's entrusted to me this beautiful gospel message. But I just, in turn, give my whole self back to him and say, oh, all right, Lord, you've called me to do this one thing. You've called me to do this and to minister to these people. Now I'm entrusting myself to you. And I'm not going to be ashamed of you. And I'm not going to worry about anything because Jesus has me. He's got my back. Another thing that would be indicated within that is the fact that he's saying, I don't have to fight battles. I don't have to defend myself. Jesus will fight for me. You will encounter that as well, following the Lord. Sometimes you have people show up and they, they may want to stir up some trouble and all that good stuff. You know what? We don't have to fight any battles. Let the Lord be your defense. Let him be your defense, okay? Last section here. We'll just run through this. Verse 13, hold fast. You may not be able to read that. That's why you have Bibles. We try to put the scriptures up here. I created this slide, but uh, understanding that's really small font. No worries. You got Bibles in your hand, I hope. Um, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. He's like, you hold tightly to these things. Timothy, what you've heard from me, and not only just heard from me, but what you've seen me display throughout my life, you hold tightly to these things. And again, that's that Second Samuel reference that we were talking about. The same kind of verbiage is used there. You hold so tightly to it that you can't even, even if you want to let go of the sword, you can't do it. That's how tightly you're holding on to this. Hold tight to, he would even say later on, to sound doctrine, good teaching, healthy teaching. Hold tight to those things. You know the value of sound doctrine. All right, if I'm up here teaching nonsense, find another church. If it's not sound doctrine, if this is like James's opinions and all that stuff, by all means, go find somewhere else to go. Position yourself under somebody who's going to give you sound, healthy doctrine, teaching from the Word. Somebody, they need to always be teaching the Word of God, the Word of God. That's what you want. Sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, that good thing which was committed to you, this good thing, this gift, not just the gift, but also the calling, Keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, right? So Paul's just reminding Timothy, listen, you got this gift in you. You got this calling. Not just that it's on him to, you know, stay committed to this thing or to hold on to it by himself. He's like, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. So it's not up to us just to hold on to these things. And I don't want to lose these things. It's the Holy Spirit resides inside of us. And Paul's essentially saying, listen, you need to understand. It's not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of power, of love, of self-control. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Timothy, you need to rely on him. Rely on the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of you. Verse 15, this you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me. He's got nobody there. He's got nobody there. They've turned away from me, among whom are uh, Phygelus and 
Hermogenes, I don't even know how to say these guys' names. Um, I don't even know who they are. We don't really know who they are either. But Timothy would know who they are. From Paul's mentioning of them, he's like, you know, you remember these two guys? Yeah, more than likely, they were with Paul. Well, we're with you, man. We're with you on this journey. We're with you on planting these churches, and, and we're, you know, we're with you. We're here, and all that good stuff. They bailed. They split. They just bailed on them. It says, verse 16, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisimorphorus. I can't ever say his name. And there's a, we will go through really the book that deals with this individual. Um, he's a beautiful, beautiful man. It says, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Uh, so Paul kind of concludes this chapter. He doesn't like, you know, like it's not like, okay, verse, uh, you know, what do we got here? Verse, uh, this verse, verse 17, and then uh, I'll start chapter two in the next paragraph. That's not how it works, right? Like it's just all one letter. It's all one letter. But this portion of the letter, he closes it out by saying like, listen, Timothy, Man, I need you to hold fast to Jesus. I need you to remember what he's placed inside of you. I need you to stay focused in this life. I need you to stay focused. Stay focused on Jesus. Use the gift that he's given you and just keep running that race. Hold fast. Hold fast to good teaching. Hold fast to truth. Hold fast to these things. Why? None of us know what it's going to be like when our time comes to an end. I don't know if Paul envisioned that in the end of it all, he'd be sitting in a dungeon all by himself, basically. He may not have seen that as like how he's going out, but he's encouraging this young man, Timothy, who's in the ministry that Paul has passed on to him. And he's saying, listen, you stay focused. You focus on Jesus. You teach his word. We're going to see that in the next couple of chapters. You teach the word, preach the word. You run your race, Timothy. God has placed you here at this moment in time for this thing so that he can use you to win others into his kingdom. Timothy, you run that race. By the way, even if you end up all alone in a dungeon, you just keep on running. Because your circumstances don't matter that much when you're talking about your commitment and your relationship to Jesus. It might be beautiful circumstances that you find yourself in right now, and maybe you feel like, Paul, like I'm in a dungeon all by myself. My encouragement to you, just keep running. You keep your eyes focused on Jesus. You just keep running and serve him, right? So this is really the intro to this letter as far as Paul's concerned with Timothy, and I think there's a lot of good stuff for us as a church within this book, and we're just going to well, we'll knock out chapter two next week, and we're going to, like I said, we're just going to take next month just to walk through this book and see what's in there for us. But we know right off the bat, there's a lot of things, a lot of things for you to take away. And, and again, my encouragement for you is, number one, know Jesus, right? Know him as your personal Lord and Savior. Use whatever he has given you. Use whatever he has given you for his glory. Use it for his glory, and just keep on running, guys. Do not give up. It is always too soon to quit. Just never stop running. Never, never, never stop running. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken.
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of 2 Timothy. One of the biggest takeaways from this book is that it's an opportunity for the Apostle Paul to give a sort of closing argument, solidifying who he is in Christ and what he was willing to sacrifice for the furtherance of the gospel. In chapter 4, Paul states, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. How many people can say that, that they've lived well and haven't fallen away from God even in times of adversity? This is an incredible statement that Paul speaks. May you strive today and every day to be able to say the same, that you fought the fight, that you finished the race, and most importantly, that you've kept the faith. We're so glad that you tuned in to study the Word with us today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen again online at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab. And if you're looking for a church to call home, we'd love to be that for you. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Be sure to let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer, too. That's all the time that we have for today, but we encourage you to keep on reading on your own. There's more to learn from the book of 2 Timothy, and Pastor James wants to share these things with you right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love.